John chapter 20 is where we're going to be tonight. You can start turning there right now. I've got a few announcements uh, before going into the teaching. Okay. Okay. Everyone clap for my wife. That's my wife. Yes. You asked for it. She came up here. Anyways, I love my wife. Um, what's going on is we got more kids here than normal for an evening, evening service. And so some of the older kids are going to be upstairs watching a movie. If you want to uh, put your kid up there, that's where they're going to be. So uh, welcome to the evening service at South Beach Church. We meet three times per Sunday, 9, 11, and 6. I see a lot of fresh faces out there. My name's Luke Frechette. That was my wife, Crystal, back there. And uh, just welcome in the name of the Lord. We're so excited to celebrate Jesus Christ as Zach, the lead singer, uh, stated, not just now, But he's made us new. Our lives are brand new in Jesus Christ. The power of the resurrection changes everything. Everything. Both your eternal, that's important, (laughs) and also your temporal. Okay, that's right now. So we're going to explore that tonight in the text. John 20, you can turn there. A few announcements before we get into the text, though. Um, We had scheduled a women's ministry night tomorrow night, Monday night. Day after a big production like this, my staff was looking at me saying, Luke, can we cancel that? Uh, We're going to quit if you don't. And so we canceled that. We're going to take tomorrow off. No women's ministry night tomorrow, even though there's posters up, flyers, not happening. If you're here tomorrow night, you're going to be the only woman on campus. So don't do that. And uh, what we're going to do is have a women's ministry evening on the first Monday in May at 630. So plan on coming back for that. Gals, spread that rumor like wildfire. Also, as you've already uh, heard, we're doing water baptisms right over there. The water's been heated up. It's ready to go. So if you haven't been water baptized, baptized yet. This might be the service for you. Uh, there's people here that I know are getting water baptized. They've already told me. There's also people here that didn't know they're getting water baptized. That might be you. That might be you. And here's the deal with water baptism. It's an outward sign of an inward belief. It's an outward sign of an already established reality. It's kind of like this wedding ring. When I take this wedding ring off, I'm still married I'm still married, and when I put it back on, now everyone knows it. It's just an outward display of an already established reality. When you get in the tub, you've already been saved. Christ has redeemed you, resurrected your old life. All things are now new, and you are identifying publicly with the rest of the body of Christ and obediently to his commands in water baptism. Jesus hung on a cross and died, and he was buried in the tomb, just like you will go under the water. But I won't leave you under the water, I promise. Just like Jesus came up out of the tomb, you'll come up out of the water, and you'll be identifying with his finished work. This is so imperative. This is so important. Because you and I are going to struggle the rest of our lives. Hello? Okay? And you need to ask yourself, what am I identifying with? Am I identifying with myself, my moral character, my abilities, my winning streak? I've been sin-free for like 30 seconds. Is that your hope? Or are you identifying with the Savior, the risen King who paid for your sins? And that's what baptism is. It's a celebration. It's just like blowing out the candles on your birthday cake. It doesn't make you a year older. It just celebrates the fact you are. Well, that's happening today. And you know what? You might think, that's radical. That's radical. I didn't bring my swim trunks. I'm not ready for that. When you understand Jesus Christ, you do radical stuff. We baptized 40 people at both services this morning. People didn't understand. They didn't, they didn't exp- praise God. Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And when you, when you meet Jesus, 
everything comes into focus. And you do crazy stuff. You do crazy stuff. If you found yourself doing crazy stuff, one person in our church right now gets to do something crazy. Jan Novak. Come on up here, Jan. Jan, uh, God has touched her life, and she's a devoted Christian. And as she finds herself, her and her husband, Chet, um, uh, being empty nesters, she's asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to go to Haiti. I want you to go to Haiti, and I want you to spread the gospel there. I want you to find some people to minister to. And so Jan flies out April 10th. April 10th, she's going to Haiti. She's been there twice, two times. Just once, she's going back. And here's the exciting part. Uh, she goes to South Beach Church. We've asked her to kind of do some groundwork for us. And we're possibly going to send some leadership out in October or November, see what God might have for South Beach Church in the way of taking mission trips, short-term mission trips to Haiti. We don't know what God's going to do. We do know for a fact she's going to be on a plane April 10th. So put your hand out. We're going to pray that God would bless her. Uh, she's smuggling. No, it's not the right word. She's take, ta- taking sewing machines into Haiti, manual-powered sewing machines non-electricity, that they can use, these gals can use these sewing machines to have a fair trade, to have their own sustainable income. It's going to be awesome. And so we're praying for ways to raise up money for more sewing machines. She wants to take eight sewing machines next time, or 80, 20, 20 in all. And so let's just, let's get behind this and let's just pray for Jan. Father, we thank you that she has felt your call and she has, Lord, answered that call and said, I'll go, I'll go. Use me, Lord. Use me for your glory. Use me to spread the joy of Jesus Christ. And so we ask, Lord, your mercy and blessing, your provision, your health, Lord. We ask that you'd order her steps and, and guide her way, Lord, and use her in a mighty way in Haiti, in, in transit, Lord, here on Lincoln County, and the churches partnering with her in Albany. And we just thank you for her, Lord. Bless her and Chet. Bless their efforts, Lord. May you be glorified. May you be magnified. Show us here at little old South Beach Church how we can come alongside and what you want to do with us. We are your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jan. You're going to give us the report when you come back? I'll report when you come back. I got, I got one more announcement just about the, the reality of what Christ does for us and allows us to be uh, spontaneous. How many of you guys are spontaneous? Raise your hand if you're spontaneous. Okay. All the ones who are not spontaneous, like, I can't raise my hand. I didn't plan on raising my hand. I didn't come here to raise my hand, you know. And uh, we get to do something right now. Uh, Yona, can you play some music? Even know what to say. I? <laughs> I am so excited. Um, I, I can't give the whole story right now, uh, but literally, we decided to do this three hours ago. And uh, they've been uh, dating, fianced, engaged for a while now, committed to one another, and we try and figure out the details. And I wasn't supposed to go to Thai food for lunch. I just wasn't supposed to. Neither were they, but we both did. Yeah. And as we went into Thai food, we thought, to, "Hey, let's 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 do it with the family of God tonight." And God said, okay, we're going to do it right now. So Scott and Carolyn, go ahead and uh, hold hands with one another. I'll take your bouquet and I'll put it right here. Hello. <laughs> Scott, I ask you, do you take Carolyn to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. Good answer. <laughs> Carolyn, I ask you, do you take Scott to be your lawfully wedded husband? Good answer. Do we have some rings? Here they come. There's a phone, too. Here, I'll step right behind you. Here, go and open those up for me, Scott. Marriage is a gift from God 
uh, to us. God, when he upgraded humanity, he created a wife for Adam. Jesus, when he was on earth, his very first miracle was at a wedding feast. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Bible to describe heaven, listen, to describe heaven as a wedding. Everything about weddings, everything about marriage is good and it's from God. And you two are standing here with your friends, your family, these witnesses redeeming that, saying we, we're doing it. We're doing it in Jesus' name for his glory, according to his order and according to his will. And I desire and I believe that God's going to bless you guys because God shows up. God shows up and he wants to lead you guys in the next years, the many years of your life. So I ask you, if you take each other to be wives, to be husbands, now I'm going to ask you, Scott, to repeat after me as you place the ring upon Carolyn's finger. I, Scott... Take you, Carolyn, Take you, Carolyn. To, be my lawfully wedded wife. to be my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold, to have and hold. from this day forward, from this day forward. For, better for, for, worse, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, for richer or for poorer. In, sickness and in, health. in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to love and to cherish. Til death do us part. till death do us part. According to God's holy law, According to God's holy law. I, pledge my love to you. I pledge my love to you. Amen. And Carolyn, would you place the ring upon Scott's finger and repeat mm. after me? Yes, that's the one. It's an honest question. Honest question. I gotta think right now. I, Carolyn. I, Carolyn. Take you, Scott. Take you, Scott. To be my lawfully wedded husband. To be my lawfully wedded husband. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. From this day forward. From this day forward. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. For richer or for poorer. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. Till death do us part. Till death do us part. According to God's holy law. According to God's holy law. I pledge my love to you. I pledge my love to you. I now proudly pronounce you on this day, Easter Sunday, 2015, husband and wife. <laughs> you may kiss your bride. so good right on god bless you guys congratulations so good who's next right on i just love the lord i love i love what god does and how god moves it's real time folks what god is doing all the time He's alive, he's active, he's moving, and God has a plan, a future, and a hope for you and for me. And that was part of the announcements. That's probably one of the coolest announcements I've ever done. Uh, Right there, a wedding. Let's just pray a blessing uh, over Scott and Carolyn. Father, we thank you for Scott and Carolyn. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in their lives, Lord, and the joy that's in their hearts. And God, we pray in Jesus' name that today, this this, this will never be forgotten. This This is a good story. Lord, that they would glorify you. That every time they talk about this story, they'll talk about the message that was preached at their wedding, the message of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And every time they look at each other, they would remember the empty tomb. And every time they have conflict or issues or struggles, they would look to Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of all things. Lord, bless them. Thank you for this church, for these family, these friends that were gathered here today, Lord, in your name. We commit them to you. And we ask now a blessing upon your word, Lord, as we study together, as we celebrate Jesus. Looking forward to baptizing people in a few minutes and more songs. It just doesn't get any better. But we ask you, Lord, make it better. What else you got? What else you got? 
Lord, we're kind of creative, but you're uber creative. You're, you're over the top. We repent of our small-mindedness and say, what do you want to do? And we ask you to show us, Lord, a glimpse tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. John 20 is where you should be. And if you know anything about South Beach Church, we study through the word here. We've been in the Gospel of John since August 4th, 2013. How many weren't even born then? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a long time ago, and it's just taken us forever to get to the final chapter of John 21. And I just, I just, I can't find the runway. I can't land the plane. I don't know how to finish this book. And as a matter of fact, I'm making the worst mistake ever in finishing a book. We're going backwards. We're in 21, but we're doing John 20 tonight to study the resurrection story one more time. So open up to John 20, verse 1. Uh, Did you notice we put a new sign up here? A new word on the back wall took us all week to do that. We put some metal up and all the rest. We're just kind of redeeming everything. And when we put this word up, we were doing some mock prints and all the rest. And we did some shirts over some t-shirts. And I asked my son, Noah, he's seven. He's learning to read. I said, Noah, can you read this word? There's a lot of E's in there. You know, a lot of E's don't make sense. And so he thought it said redeem or he didn't know what it said. It says redeemed. Okay. We've all seen that word before, redeemed. One time I was working at a coffee house in Ashland and I got a phone call. And it was my brother-in-law, Elijah, my wife's brother. And he called me and said, hey, Luke, how do you spell redeemed? I said, are you at a tattoo parlor? <laughs> he said, yeah, dude, get to the point. I'm at a tattoo parlor. They already shaved my back. I'm on the table. Like We're trying to figure out how many E's are in this word. I was like, you obviously thought this one through, you know, spontaneous. And so I had to, I grabbed my Bible and I looked it up. I'm like, hold on, bro. It's before iPhone, before Google, before Siri, before the internet. And so I looked in my Bible and I found the word redeemed and I told him how to spell it. And uh, he got that tattoo, still has it on his back today. I don't know if you know that tattoos don't go away. (laughs) You know, the word redeemed is only in the New Testament seven times. Seven times the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to use that word. The first time it was inspired was by a man named Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, Jesus' cousin. And you guys who know the Bible know the story that Zechariah was giving the altar and giving the sacrifice and serving in the temple by himself. And an angel appeared to him and said, hey, you're going to have a son and you're going to name his name John. And Zechariah argued with the angel a little bit. He's like, are you sure about that? And the angel's like, did I stutter? And this angel must have been spicy. He's like, dude, you're talking. Here's what I'm going to do for you. He said, just so you know that my word is true, I'm going to mute your lips during the whole pregnancy. For nine months, you won't be able to talk. Every woman say amen. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Anyways, Zechariah comes out. He comes out of the temple. He's like, and they know that, oh, something happened in there, something big, something went down. Give the guy a tablet. Give the guy an iPad. Give the guy a nook. And so he got something read it. And he, so he writes down what's going on. He said, well, my wife's going to have a baby. And this is a miracle. It's a miracle. Well, she gets pregnant. Nine months goes by. And when John the Baptist is born, they asked his mom, well, what are we going to name him? Going to name him Zechariah, aren't we? Going to name him after his dad, right? She said, no, no. His name's John. And they looked at her and said, that's a dumb name. No one in your family's named John. Why are you doing that? She said, look, talk to the mute over there. He said, we're naming him John. <laughs> Zechariah shows up, and he grabs another iPad, and he writes down, his name is John, and shows it to him. And right then, check this out, right then, his lips are opened. He can talk now. First time in nine months. What would you say? 
you know. Hallelujah, I'm back. Here's what he said. Read it. Gospel of Luke, right around chapter 1, verse 68, thereabouts. And he begins to prophesy. The Lord comes upon him. See, all this, is, this is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And the Lord comes upon him and gives him a prophecy of what, what John the Baptist would precede. You see, John the Baptist was a, a road paver, a forerunner. John the Baptist had a message of one coming. His message is, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Look to the one coming. Same too with his dad, Zechariah. When Zechariah had his lips opened, he prophesied of one who would come to redeem Israel. And he used this very word. Zechariah used it. Paul used this word to say that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. That is this law that is over us that keeps reminding us of our faults, keeps reminding us of our failures. Anybody in here broken the law? Three of you. The rest of you just lied to me. That's cool. It's the evening service. When all bets are off, right? It's not Sunday anymore. This ain't church. No, listen. We have all sinned. We are cursed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Your own mistakes. There's been redemption. Are we perfect? No. Have we sinned? Yes. Is there redemption? Oh, yeah. That's the good news. That's the good news. Paul used the word. Peter used the word to describe the incorruptible blood of jesus christ that has redeemed us from darkness he said it's incorruptible it's not like being redeemed with money or with tokens or other stuff he said no no the precious blood of jesus christ has redeemed you from sin and from death not just peter not just paul but john also used this word john used this word in the book of revelation he wrote the book of revelation have you read that book recently Man, that is some freaky stuff right there. You know what I'm saying? That's the end times. Like, it's coming down. That's, that's how it's going to be. Listen what John said in chapter 14. He said, there's a group of people right in the midst of that craziness that are the Lord's. And he calls them the redeemed. The redeemed of the Lord. That is, that, that they didn't live for themselves. They didn't live for the world, but they were redeemed out of the world. That's what this word means, to be redeemed. Seven times in the New Testament, we see this word used. Let me just speak about it a little bit more, help to give you some illustration and application. I was in Southern California uh, about 30 years ago, and, uh, which is weird because I'm only 25. And uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. That joke was funny at second service too. Anyways, in Southern California with my family, they're, they're right over here. My parents are right here, and they might remember it. We were, we were visiting the Boothroyds or something or Rick and Sue, and we were down there, and I just remember going to the beach, and the beach was covered, littered, full of, guess what? You were here at first service. Anyway, <laughs> bottles and cans everywhere. As far as I can see, just somebody had had a party and littered, and I'm just a little kid. I'm thinking, Dad, Mom, we've got to get bags and bags and fill these cans and take them to the store. <laughs> My mom and dad looked at the cans and looked at me and said, they're not worth anything. It's California. There's no redemption value. And I, and I, my, I went into like depression. You know, I'm just thinking, they're cans, they're cans. Of course they're worth something. And I, wanted to, I honestly wanted to get bags and bottles and, and bring them back up over the border uh, to Bend, Oregon. I was like, we got to make some money here, Mom. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, by the way, when I did move to Newport some years later, about six years later, I moved to Newport. And I asked my parents, I said, if I raise the money, a 12-year-old kid, homeschool kid, watch out for those guys. Uh, I said, if I raise the money to buy a plane ticket to finance my way to Minnesota, can I fly to Minnesota and visit my best friend for a month? 
My parents thought they had one over me. Oh, sure, 385 bucks, you can't do that. A month later, I had raised the money through uh, pop cans and soda bottles and scavenging the beach and all the rest. And if you have met my boys, they're upstairs, Noah and Nemo, these guys are crazy. We have more pop cans in our garage, more bottles. Every single week, I look out there and there's bottles and cans everywhere. They go all around our neighborhood knocking on doors. Can we have your pop cans? They don't even greet people by name anymore. Neighbors show up. Can we have your pop cans? Pop cans? Pop. These guys are crazy. There's, re- that's just, it's, there's no illustration there, but it's just funny. Redemption, though, there's value. There's value. Webster's puts it this way, this word redeemed. Redeemed means to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. You know, make up for something bad, to redeem yourself. Here's a sentence that I came up with. Luke really redeemed himself when he married Crystal. Yeah, that's kind of good right there, you know? How are you going to redeem yourself? I'm going to marry up for sure, you know? I'm going to marry up. Uh, here's another one that Webster uses. I like this one. Redeemed means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Okay, we see this happen on, on a mild form when we go to Chuck E. Cheese you know, you're, you're there playing skee-ball. You guys love skee-ball? It's so fun. It's like that little bowling thing. There's whoop, you know, it's like, man, I just want to get that. It's so fun. You like that? I love that game, you know, and tickets are flying out. It's like you're winning something. You're not winning anything. You're winning something. You got all these tickets, and you got like 200 tickets. You spent a whole paycheck there. <laughs> and you're going to the, the redemption counter, and you're marching up, okay, like you're John Travolta, staying alive, and you're there, and you're like, I got 200 tickets, you know, and you're looking at the top shelf. They're like, no, no, down here. No, 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 no. We're down here next to the iron-on tattoos, like in the golf balls. You know, so that's all you get. You get one of those little jelly bracelets. What? I want the big thing. They said, no, it's going to take you about 300,000 tickets, sir. Go, go back to ski ball. Redemption. To, re- to, to gain something or to regain something. In ancient wars, when a king would conquer an enemy, he would often take prisoners and slaves as trophies for himself. And what these uh, kings would do is they would take these slaves and trophies and sell them and use them in that way. But he would also examine those slaves. He would examine those prisoners and he would see, is there's any prisoners here that have value? Any nobleman, any countryman, anybody who has a family member or an heir that I could get in contact with and say, hey, got your son, how much? Got your dad, how much? I got your daughter, how much? How much to redeem this one? Can you imagine being in that situation? What would you pay for a loved one? What would you want paid for you? You're you're in a bad spot. You hope your family has some deep pockets, right? (laughs) See, here's the deal. This word redeemed is used to illustrate what Christ has done for you and for me. Because each one of us are bought into or born into a war. Okay? We're born into slavery, spiritually, prisoners separated from God because of sin. And Satan has a price tag on your head and says, how much? How much for this one? How much for that one? And it's not a corruptible price that is put on your head. It is incorruptible. It is precious. And Christ has redeemed you through his blood. Do you understand that? When Satan killed Jesus Christ, he thought he was winning. He thought he was going to pull off a fast one not realizing that that blood spilled for humanity would be the redemption price required to satisfy the wrath of God. You see, God had been offended through sin. Adam and Eve, our great, 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 you get the point, grandparents. They had sinned, and everyone after them was born into sin, including you and me, and we need redemption. And there is no price 
that could qualify, that could satisfy the wrath of God rather than blood, pure blood. See, you and I, we can die for our sins, but you know what's problem is? Your blood is tainted. Your blood's not perfect. Jesus Christ's blood was perfect. Do you know that? Do you know that the bloodline is passed from the father to the kids, male and female? It's, it's passed from the father. Jesus didn't have an earthly father. Why was he born of a virgin? What kind of weird story is that? Like, why did God choose to do it that way? Is there any reason? There is a reason. So his blood would be perfect, untainted, from conception, from birth, living a life you could never live. <laughs> we try, don't we? We try. I tried once. It didn't work. We try. Dying the death. You should die in your place. First words out of Jesus Christ's mouth on the cross were, Father, forgive them. Second words out of Jesus Christ's mouth on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. The prayer was answered immediately to the thief on the cross. I'm here redeeming people, redeeming sinners, redeeming the lost. It's the hope of the world. It's the hope of the nations. It's the hope that we have. It's the hope we're celebrating here tonight. See, Jesus Christ redeems everything from your first cry to your final breath. Jesus redeems it all. He redeems the depressed. He redeems the quitters. He redeems the sinners, the destitute, the doubters, the disappointed. He redeems the Kentucky fans. <laughs> Sorry. That was such a close game. I had Kentucky going all the way big mistake. They're done. Anyways, he redeems everybody. It's not about that. Here's the deal. The resurrection, the redemption, Jesus Christ is so applicable to every single thing going on in your life, okay? Because Jesus says, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I will lead you to still waters. I will provide for you green grasses. I will be with you. Everything and anything you find yourself going through, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is better. Jesus is available. That's called mature Christianity. When you say, yes, Jesus, right now, in the midst of my stuff. You know how it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? It doesn't say, yea, though I buy some property and build a house there. No, no, you're walking through it. You're, you're getting through it. The Bible says in various ways it came to pass. And sometimes the situations in your life, you need to remind yourself, this didn't come to stay, it came to pass. I can get through this because of the resurrection and the redemption of Jesus Christ. I wish I had the magic wand and I could make your life easy. Wouldn't that be fun? I went to Staples, I bought that easy button. It doesn't work. I mean, it's a good idea, great concept, but just fail. No, life's tough. Life's tough. Then you get married and it gets even tougher. Start throwing, some ki- start throwing some kids in the mix, and it's like, what? Whose idea was this? <laughs> MMA fighting, you know, open-handed is like crazy. What are you going to do about it? Okay, Jesus says, how about you invite me in? Invite me in. I will be with you. I will, Psalm 23, I will be with you. I'm doing everything I do for my namesake. I'm going to glorify myself in your situation. Again, we're in America, so you can have it your way. You can take a break. Kit Kat style, bar, you know, Burger King. It's, it's all about you, isn't it? It's all about you. Okay. God says, no, no, it's, it's going to be nutty. It's going to be crazy. And so your theological foundation has to be one of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Because other than that, all bets are off. Okay. All bets are, I wish I had, again, the easy button to provide for you. But instead, what I have is an empty tomb. 
Jesus Christ. When those gals showed up that morning, this angel sitting on top of the this, of this stone, hey, ladies, how you doing? Fear not. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Did you know that the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus Christ could get out like he was stuck? You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus is like, I'm alive, I'm alive, let me out. You know, and the angel's like, hold on, bro, you know. When Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, he was, boom, gone. We're talking catapult out of there. When the angel rolled away the stone, it was in order to allow these ladies, those gals, those seekers, you and me, into the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The stone's been rolled away. And right now in your life, there are other stones. There are things around you that are getting in the way, obstacles, and you need to allow the Lord to just move them. Lord, move them. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, those gals, did you know what they did? Mark, Mark chapter 16 tells us they're walking early in the morning, Mary, her friends, and they all of a sudden realize we didn't bring a hammer or a crowbar at all. How are we going to move that stone? And it, it, it's naivety, it's faith. Maybe it was the fact they were bawling all weekend long. Maybe they didn't bring their little pink tool bag, little girl tool bag. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But they just went. They just showed up. They just marched forward. And right now, the questions, the naivety, the problems in your life, the issues, you just need to just go towards the last place. Listen, go towards the last place. Maybe it's the first place. Go towards the place where you know Jesus Christ is. You go there and let him do the heavy lifting. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Today's the day of salvation. And as you seek the Lord, maybe tomorrow morning, by yourself, wives, by yourselves, husbands, by yourselves, guys and gals, get up early and go to the last spot you saw Jesus Christ. And you seek him, yeah, but I've got this issue and I've got this. He'll move it. He'll deal with it. That's what he does. That's what he does. Put your questions down and seek the Lord and he will meet with you. Look at verse one of chapter 20. It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, she went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb early, still dark. This seeker, this worshiper, this gal who had been delivered You remember her story. She had seven demons, and Jesus saved her from those demons, and she became a believer, a follower, a disciple, a worshiper. And now she wanted to go minister to the body of Jesus Christ, and she gets to the tomb with her other girlfriends that are with her, and they see that the stone has been rolled away. They get the message from the angel, and the angel gives them this message. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell somebody about the risen Savior. Now, let me just say something to you right now. In that culture... What am I pointing at? I'm pointing at my Bible. In that culture, 2,000 years ago, in that culture, if you wanted something to succeed, if you wanted something to be accepted, if you wanted something to be right, listen, I'm gonna say it. If you wanted something to be lawful, that's legal, legal. If you wanted something to be legal, you couldn't and wouldn't use women in your case. You couldn't and wouldn't use women as witnesses. It was illegal. A woman's word was null and void, was Did I say that culture? I'm not saying here. In that culture, it was worth less. And so God, just what's what's God doing then? Well, doesn't God know the rules? Doesn't God know what we're doing? Doesn't God know how we've ordered things? And so God says, hey, I just rose from the dead. You know who I want to see it first and tell about it first? Women. Because you guys are doing it wrong. You've done it all wrong. He's correcting a cultural flaw right here. And he is liberating and elevating women to a whole new level, okay? Now, you can communicate a message a lot of ways. You can use a telephone. You can use a teleprompter. You can use a telegraph. You can, you can just tell a woman. 
Rose, am I wrong? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, let me just chase a rabbit here because this is a big deal. I want you to meditate on this, just, just this. You can meditate on what I share, but just go home and think about it for real. God Almighty, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The first person he meets is Mary Magdalene, a group of gals. That is profound. You see, there's a, a war going on in our culture, and, and it's targeted at women. It really is. It started in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan approached Eve and targeted God's daughter to lead her astray, uh, to give her cues that weren't from her creator but were from a culture that was beneath heaven. And Satan attacked Eve and led her astray and desired to control her. And I'll tell you what, what we need today is not women who are taking their cues from culture but are taking their cues from their creator. Women that are filled. Listen, here's, here's what you need to be, women, right now. You need to be filled with passion and love for Jesus Christ. And let that define you. Let that set you free. Let that be what liberates you and makes you who you are. Not what culture says. And Jesus here saying, are you passionate for me? That's, that, go, tell somebody about it right now. Because there is a war right now. And Jesus here addresses it head on. And I just really believe we need women that are fired up for Jesus Christ, filled with hope, faith, and love. Okay? leading, loving him, and letting God use you in the way that he wants to use you. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen? It's a good spot for an amen right there, guys. It's a good spot right there. Well, verse two, look how she responds. She ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him, blah, 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 blah. She came, she came with that message. Now, these boys, huh, tough and rugged, Drinking their filterless coffee, spitting out, you know, hardcore. And the Bible tells us when they showed up, when these gals showed up with that message, they just kind of went like this to her. Mary, Mary, just bring it down a notch. Just bring it down a notch. Right here, Mary. Focus. Shh. And they just, they just kind of dealt with her in that way. She's all fired up. When you meet Jesus, when you understand the truth, okay, that he lives, number one. Okay? And that because he lives, now I can live. That's your message, okay? You, you can't shut up, okay? You don't shut, you don't shut up. You keep going, you keep going, you keep inviting, you keep praying for your friends and relatives, you keep inviting them to church, you keep going even though, stop it, bring it down a notch. Have you met this Christian before? Are you that Christian? You're so excited about Jesus Christ and here's the deal, you need an encounter with him to get there. You need an encounter. You need to be delivered. You need to know him in order to make him known. You can't give what you don't have, okay? These gals had something to give, and so they showed up, and they were giving it away freely. And I would just ask you, where are you at in that? Because if you want to be a giver, if you want to be a sower, if you want to be somebody who, who, who feeds other people, you yourself have to be fed. You got to be strong, getting fed by the word of God daily, daily, daily. I love it when I see uh, baby Christians excited about Jesus, just fired up, just can't stop, and getting baptized three times in one day or something, something like that. Uh, Eddie Townsend, he goes to church here. He's a teacher in Toledo, one of my really good friends. Uh, he was here at the first service. And I met Eddie, not in Newport, although he's from Newport. I met him in Ashland. Somebody brought him to a Bible study I was teaching. And as I met Eddie, we got to know one another. And he was ex fired up, excited about Jesus Christ, 
because he knew he lived and he could live because of that. And we were at SOU, Southern Oregon University, uh, doing some witnessing and some planning for, for college. The people were coming back and we saw all these college football players. Those are the jocks, you know, the cool kids. Like they're sitting around all tough and just sitting there being all tough. And anyways, we were walking by and we're walking out of there and just kind of gave him the nod, the bro nod. What up? What up? That's all I gave him. And Eddie stops and approaches him. He's like, if any of you right here, listen to me, listen to me, listen. If any of you in here right now believe in Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of him, stand up right now. I think he went on. I didn't say this at the other two services, but now my memory is, is jogged. Because he said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before men. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before men. So right now, stand up if you're a believer. <laughs> now I'm thinking, I'll get the car, bro. I'll get the car. This is, I'll get the car. I'm trying to get out of there. Of the 20 dudes, four stood up and said, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And they stood up there and Eddie exhorted them and told them what college is going to be like and they need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. These guys were fired up. They were fired up. They were excited. Stay excited, okay? Can you guys stay excited with me? We just stay excited about Jesus Christ. As soon as Jesus Christ is not exciting anymore, I guarantee you something else has crept in. You ever found yourself so hungry? Everything sounds good. <laughs> I mean, everything sounds good. And then you eat like an Oreo. And all of a sudden you're fine. You don't need anything. Nothing, nothing's good anymore. And you come home to a home-cooked meal. And it's, oh, it's all there. And you're like, yeah, I just, I'm not really hungry. I'm not really hungry anymore. Listen, I guarantee you, when you're not excited about the, the meal of Jesus Christ, when it's not just amazing to you, not, it's because you've been eating Oreos, spiritually, spiritually, okay? Nothing wrong with Oreos, okay? No, it's because you've been snacking on the junk food of the world, okay? You be your own judge. I'll be my judge. I know. I know. When I, when, when the, when I check the temperature spiritually, why is Jesus not fired up anymore? Why, why am I just, why, what's going on here? And I look around me. You look around you. I look around me. I look around me. I see the things that have crept in, the things that I've allowed, the things that I've stopped doing, Okay? You reap what you sow. And let's just commit to staying excited about Jesus. There's nothing more worth living for, sacrificing for, racing for than Jesus Christ and his message of the resurrection. These guys are excited. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Luke, you're excited, but I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> there's, there's two types of people in the world. There's two types of people, okay? There's the people that are here today right now, and they're saying, yeah, preach it. Yes, you know, yeah, baby, you're excited about it. Then there's the other people who are like, what's that? Oh, you're, I'm still at church. This is weird. I, did, I didn't, can't believe I'm here again. What's going on? And you don't see it. You don't get it, okay? And I respect you. I understand that. I've, I've, I've been there. I understand being on the outside looking in. Do you remember when you didn't get it? Do you remember how crazy you were? <laughs> Kidding me? Man, your, your parole officer remembers. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's not funny. Listen, I'm praying that there'll be more people here at this service that are the yeah, baby. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, it's, it's live. I get it. When those ladies showed up to tell Peter and John and the rest, the tomb's empty, man. He's, a, he's alive. Did they have the whole backstory? Did they know everything? No, then they didn't. And I don't either. And you don't either. But I know the big part, okay? Jesus Christ died, and death couldn't hold him. 
that's legit. Okay, I'm going with that guy. That's worthy of my life, worthy of my lips, worthy of my sacrifice, worthy of my devotion. What do you think these guys are going to do? Mary, bring it down. Just chill. But something begins to then turn in Peter's mind. Look at verse 3. Something inside Peter's heart started beating. And I imagine he looked at Mary and he said, Mary, don't mess with me. Mary, Mary, knock it off. Mary, we're all having a hard time here, okay? Mary, we're all processing this differently. Something began to churn in Peter's mind. And he thought to himself, if this is true, if this is true, I need this to be true. This has to be true. You see, because Peter had failed miserably. Peter had found himself walking away from the Lord two days prior in a real gross way. He had found himself face to face with some of the most humiliating, debilitating sins that he could commit. You see, he denied Jesus three times after he promised Jesus, I got your back, homie. These other guys, these bozos, these disciples, they're going to leave you, not me. I got you. And Jesus grabbed him by the shoulder and said, Pete, I love you, but you're going to deny, deny me three times. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, when you're restored, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And he spoke that over, and Peter's like, dude, what you talking about? What you talking about? Man, I got your back. A few minutes later, just hours later, Peter was asked, don't you, don't you go to South Beach Church? Aren't you, don't you love Jesus? And he's like, oh, no. No, it's the wrong Galilean. You got the wrong dude. And he denied that he knew Jesus. He did it not once, but twice and thrice. And on the third time, he cussed and swore that he didn't know the man. I don't know him. Back off. Check this out. Here's how the story goes. The other gospel writers tell us that when Jesus was denied on the third time by Peter, the rooster crowed as Jesus told him it would. And as he denies the Lord that third time, have you found yourself in a position, in a situation, walking so far from the Lord where you're standing there looking down and going, how'd I get here? It's one step at a time. How'd I get here? You know, you're so far away. Peter found himself in that position. He heard the rooster crow, remembered the words of the Lord, and he looked up immediately. And he looked across Herod's praetorium, Okay. And right at that very minute, right at that very moment, Jesus Christ, after being tried and beaten and mocked, was being led out to spend a cold, dark, dank night in solitary confinement. And as Jesus was being led, the rooster crowed. Jesus looked up across the corridor, and his eyes met with Peter. And the Bible uses a word that says that Jesus beheld him, literally catching Peter in the midst of his failure, catching him before he falls. His eyes caught Peter. Now, when my eyes catch my kids sinning, there's a different tone there. There's a different understanding between them and I. When I I see my kids writing graffiti on my car with chalk, I catch them all right with my eyes. And they run, and we're on now. I'm pursuing them, right? Not Jesus. See, Jesus knows. He knows. He knows your sins. He knows your failures. Are you, are you surprised by your failures? I am sometimes, by yours. <laughs> I, <laughs> sometimes I am, though. It's like, I don't, I, I thought I was over this. I thought I, I didn't want, and, I, and you're just bummed. God is never surprised 
by your sin or your failure. I mean, can you surprise the Lord? He created you. He allowed you to breathe. You're his kid. He knows the beginning from the end. And Jesus Christ holds you and he beholds you and he seeks after you and he catches you. The Bible says that the righteous man or woman, the righteous person, they're not perfect. As a matter of fact, they fall seven times. But they get up. They get up. Can I just give you the rules for falling down as a righteous person? Here's the rules. Get up. Okay? That's the rules. If you're going to be saved by grace and you fall, get up. And when you get up, get up different. Okay? Every time. Just a little different. Just a little different. Just a little different. Christians aren't sinless, but you will, as you pursue Jesus Christ, sin less and sin less and sinless. I guarantee you, you pursue him, let him deal with your heart, let him hold you, let him catch you. Well, that happened two days prior. And Peter hears this message now. What do you you mean the stones rolled away, Mary? Just chill. Don't mess with my emotions. Are you telling me? And then he began to consider what Jesus had told him earlier. I'm going to die and on the third day be raised from the dead. And the word of God became true to him. Let's look at this response. Verse three, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Thank you, John, for letting us know you're younger and stronger. We appreciate that. That was helpful. And uh, anyways, John gets there first. Verse five, he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go all the way in. Then Simon Peter came following him and he went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there. I love this story. I love this picture. John gets to the tomb. He doesn't go in. John's a mystic. He's a thinker. He's deep. He's, he's intellectual in that way. He's like, maybe he's tired. He got there first. I don't know. He's looking in the tomb. Peter comes barreling by. Get out of my way. And he goes in, just goes into the tomb, starts rummaging through stuff. Sees the linen cloths folded there in the shape of a corpse, gone. Jesus is risen from the dead. You see, Peter was desperate desperate for forgiveness, desperate for a blood transfusion, desperate for the truth of the gospel to be his. Have you, I've been there. I just need, Lord, I need your grace. Lord, where are you? And you run and you push by people and you want to be forgiven. I've seen people run to the aisle to get baptized, run to the aisle to take forgiveness, run to take communion, run to Jesus's arms because they know their great need. He needed this to be true. Reminded me of a story that I just recently heard of uh, two uh, young people, brothers and sisters, um, uh, Johnny and Mary of their name. And Johnny had come down with a serious illness. He was just a young boy, and he came down with a serious illness, and he was able to fight back, and he didn't die even though he was supposed to die, and he recovered and had a full recovery and was robust in his life. It wasn't just a short time later that his sister Mary came down with the same illness. She wasn't looking too good, and she was on the verge of death. She she wasn't going to make it. So the doctor said, there's one thing we could try. There's one thing we can do, which is to give Mary a blood transfusion from somebody who's conquered this illness, this disease. Somebody who's beat it and the the blood then transferred to this victim will resuscitate them into life. True story. And so the doctor got near to Johnny and said, hey, Johnny, would, would you give your blood to your sister? Johnny's lips began to quiver as he considered. And then he smiled. Said, yeah, for my sister. As the procedure came to pass, they wheeled both children down the corridor into the operating room and putting IVs in. And, and uh, you can see the, the trepidation and the fear in Johnny's eyes as the needle goes into his arm and the blood begins to go out of the tube and into the bag. Midway through the procedure, Johnny looked at the doctor 
He said, Doctor, when do I die? It was then the doctor realized that he was willing to give his life, sacrifice it all for his sister. <laughs> you see, we need a blood transfusion. We need one who's willing to give it all for us, one who's willing to die, to bleed out for the life of another person. The Bible says that some of us would die for a noble person, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? I see some eyebrows going up. <laughs> I don't know. We would die scarcely for a real good person. Johnny would. But would you die for a bad person? No. Nope, wouldn't do it. That's what we think. I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Jesus says, I'm going to die for my people. I'm going to die for them all. I'm going to die. For, I'm gonna, they're all born into sin. And they are created in my image. And there's a war for your soul. Okay? There's a war for your worth, for your redemption value. Satan wants to tempt you. Satan wants to tempt me to look at ourselves as those bottles and cans on the California beach, worthless, no redemption value. And God says, are you for real? I am furiously in love with them. Those are my people made in my image. And whatever it takes, I'm going to do to make sure that they have a ticket to heaven. Redemption has been poured out for you and for me. It's the good news. It's the only way. Peter was so desperate, so needy. Verse 7, he saw the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, well, he went in. This is John. And the Bible says that he believed. As these two men approached the tomb, they had some decisions to make. What could this mean? They, pla they placed him here, and he's gone now. And as they began to examine the evidence, everyone say evidence. 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 As they began to examine the evidence, they saw the, the linen cloth lying there. Now, if the body had been removed and taken to a dump somewhere nearby, <laughs> okay, you're taking the linen cloth too, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to stay there. So these guys are like, wait a minute. Linen cloths are here, body's gone. Linen cloth. I know where men just think this. Way. Linen cloths are here, body's gone. Linen, yeah. Mary said she met an angel. Okay. And they start to compute what's going on, and they realize, that's oh, true. I haven't met Jesus yet. I don't see him. But they become, in verse 8, in this instance, decision believers. They made a decision, I believe. I believe. I'm a believer. And they leave there and go back to their homies. The Bible tells us they spent the rest of the day in that room Believing, believing, waiting, wondering. The Bible tells us at evening, Jesus just pops right in, walks through the door and says, what up? <laughs> yeah, baby. He's so fired up. They're freaking out, hiding behind counters. Where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? What's going on? Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Do you believe? It changes everything. The resurrection changes everything in your eternal, in your temporal, in your internal, in your external. It's so applicable. It changes everything. And the simple question again is, do you believe? It reminds me of a story of Ron Wayne. And uh, not everyone here knows who Ron Wayne is. Uh, those who were at first and second service do. But the rest of you are, Ron Wayne? Don't you mean John Wayne? Isn't it John Wayne? No, Ron Wayne. 1976, Ron Wayne... Uh, teamed up with a couple other guys and began a little company known as Apple Computers. And uh, Ron Wayne was um, part of the company there with Steve Jobs and another gentleman as well. And a couple weeks after they launched this company, Ron Wayne said, you know what? 
I, I believe in this product. It's going to work. But right now, I'm just kind of financially strapped. I'd like to be bought out of the company. I'd like my, I'd like my $800 back. And in 1976, they gave him $800 back and said, okay, Ron, if that's your real name. Okay, Ron, here you go, buddy. About a month or two later, they saw the business was taken off, and so they made another contract and gave him another $1,500 to sponge his name off all the documents and say, you're done completely. Here's your buyout. You're nothing to do with you at all. Have a good life, Ron. And he said, I believe in the product. I believe. But he wasn't part of it. And as the company continued to grow and continued to grow and continued to grow, last February 2015, the company was worth $700 billion. Ron Wayne was a 10% shareholder, which means he would have had $70 billion to his name. Today, he lives in Pahrump, Nevada. Is that how you say it? I don't really care if that's how you say it. (laughs) Pahrump, Nevada. He lives in a mobile uh, home park, and he sells rare coins and postage stamps. His first Apple computer um, device was an iPad 2 that was (laughs) given to him. Hey, have you seen this? Check this out, Ron. And he missed the boat, but he believed. And I wonder where you're at tonight. I'm not even kidding. Not everyone's going to get baptized tonight. That'd be weird if we did. But but I wonder, you might be a believer here. You're like, yeah, I'm a believer. But I kind of want my money back. (laughs) I don't really want to go all in. I believe, I believe, I believe. But I'm just not, I don't know, I'm just kind of. I want to play it safe. I want to play it safe. Don't play it safe. Straight up. Don't play it safe. Do not play it safe. All in. All in. Okay? Jesus is better than Apple computers. Okay? He is bigger. He is better than all of that. It is a guarantee. And he has more in store than you could ever imagine. And there's some people here tonight that are playing it safe. I totally, yeah, I believe. I believe. But I don't. And I would just ask you tonight to make a commitment to the Lord to the risen king who's changed our lives. He's brought us back to life. We sang that song. Brought me back to life. Let it show. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Let the anchor of the belief in Jesus Christ be what holds your soul together in the midst of storms. Again, I wish I could say no more storms. It's gonna be great. No, no. God wants to create a story for his glory in your life. You ready for that? I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and pray with me and have the band come up and join us. Father, I thank you for the, the simple message of Jesus Christ that changes everything for those who are believers, changes everything for those who do not wait on the fence but go all in. And Lord, there's people here tonight like Peter who are hearing this message saying, dude, I can need that. I need redemption. I need forgiveness. I've blown it. I need the Lord to behold me, to catch me. And if there's anybody here before we go into baptisms, before we go into more singing, before we move on, that you would say, I want to become a believer, a real believer, an invested believer, one who says, Lord, take my life and use it for your glory. You gave yours for mine. And that's you tonight. And you would be like Peter, like John, running to the tomb, exploring it on your own and concluding in your hearts, I believe. Lord, I pray you would call them right now. 
Believers, call them out of darkness into your marvelous light, redeeming them through the precious, incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ. And if you want to become a believer right here tonight, would you just raise your hand up and say, yes, Lord, I want to be a believer. I want to go all in. Lord, I don't want to hold back my chips. I don't want to live life my way. I want to live it your way. Raise your hand up high so we can see you. Raise your hand up high so you know what you're doing here tonight. Easter Sunday, 2015, saying, Lord, I don't want to live my life my way. I want to live it the way you would have me to live it because you died for me. Lord, you see the hands going up and I pray you would seal the deal, Lord. Lead people to yourself. Save them from sin, Satan, and self. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to do water baptisms, and we worship the Lord together. Baptizing in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming his death until he comes. And again, as you go under the water, you are identifying. This is your hero. This is your claim to fame. This is your ticket to heaven. It's Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And I would just ask you right now, if there's anybody here who's gonna get baptized tonight, would you just stand right now and just come right to the front? Right to the front. People coming up. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Encourage these people. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand and worship the Lord together tonight. Go right over there.